Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. In, in, in John 14, verse 27, um, Jesus actually said these words. He said, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace can be defined as so many things. It can be defined as national tranquility, i.e. the absence of war. It's this peace between individuals. The biblical understanding of peace is actually much more to do with security, safety, and prosperity. It's to do with a tranquil state of soul. Assured in my salvation, fearing nothing. And the amplified version of that verse, where it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. It says this, it says, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated cowardly and unsettled and one of the things that we're going to reflect upon in these few minutes is that I think quite a lot of us um, understand peace to be a passive thing it's it's something that we just sit back and receive it comes to us it seeks us out And I'm not saying that that isn't true, but it might surprise some of you today just quite how much work we're expected to put in. That peace is not accidental. And that there are some things, not only are we expected to do, but we are required to do for the peace of God to be present in our lives. Even in that verse there, Jesus, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. And it's, you could sit back and say, wow, that's awesome. Jesus has left his peace. But even in the presence of peace that Jesus has given and Jesus has left, he leaves us with some work to do. He says, do not let, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, even in the presence of peace that Jesus has given, there is the possibility that we would be, we, our hearts can be troubled and we can be fearful. And so there is a requirement on us to not let those things happen. That temptation to worry, that temptation to be agitated means that if, if peace 
is going to uh, remain in our hearts, then we need to continually align ourselves to Jesus, continually align ourselves to His Word. And, and, you know, the fact that Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace is proof that peace is not just something, but someone. To know the presence of God is to know the presence of peace. And I have peace by being in relationship with peace. And I think it's important to understand in our pursuit of peace. And see, we're surrounded with all our ideas of spirituality and what that is. And I think that it's important for us to understand that peace begins on the inside. See, the world... The world will give us all kinds of ideas of how we can bring peace. And, you know, some of these concepts to do with mental health and reducing anxiety and stress. And, and listen, I'm not knocking that. To create an environment that is stress-free, you know, with your candles and your, your, your soft music and all that sort of thing, that is great. And, and, and can absolutely provide an environment that is soothing and pleasant. But true peace, true peace is something that is deposited on the inside. So I'm not knocking that stuff. I think it's great as an additional thing. But the peace that Jesus gives to us is a peace that starts on the inside. It is not dependent on my environment. It's not dependent just on the stuff I do. Now, there's, there's stuff that can happen that will disconnect us from peace. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, and we all, we, we all should know what our personal route back to peace is. I think every one of us in this room should know what our pathway to peace is. Because it won't look exactly the same for all of us. It would look similar to some of us, but it won't look exactly the same to all of us at all. But we need to become familiar with, with that and understanding that, that genuine peace begins with my relationship with the Prince of Peace. If we went right back to the beginning of the story, uh, right back to Adam and Eve, we understand that, that sin causes a distance to come between God and I. And, uh, and, uh, and that is the, the, the greatest damage, the greatest damage to peace is distance between me and my father, between, between me and my maker. And there are some definite enemies to peace. Obviously, sin is one of them. I, I love the, the, living, uh, the um, living Bible, which is, is not a, a well-known translation these days, but I just like this version of it. In Job 22, verse 21, the Living Bible says this. It says, quit quarreling with God. 
I, I, I don't know, but I, I feel that this, just this, this one verse is, is the preach that someone's come to hear today. Quit quarreling with God, with God. Agree with Him and you will have peace at last. His favor will surround you if you will only admit that you were wrong. And contained in that is an understanding that, you know, I mean, if you think about it, there are loads of people you can quarrel with. I would want to suggest to us God is not someone that we want to quarrel with. It's like, you know, if we're going to go to God and say, mm, I'm not sure you're right about that, Lord. I, I, I think it's kind of the wrong way around. You know, uh, God is right. <laughs> Whatever he's saying, he's right. Uh, and, and it, you know, Job is, is, is saying here, quit quarreling with God. Agree with him. You'll have peace at last. So peace comes into my life when I live in agreement with God. When I say, you're right, Lord, I need to change. Of course, there are other things that come in to steal, um, to steal our peace, worry. See, th this... This all comes in the category of do not let your heart be troubled. There's got to be a decision somewhere along the line that I don't let some of these, these things come in. They might knock on the door, but I don't, I, don't, I don't have to open the door. It's not that they're not there. So peace from God is not the absence of all these things. They will always be there. But we, with God's help, can learn the strategies that we need to to stop these things finding their ways into our life. Worry is one of them. Fear. Obviously, the, the what-ifs, you know. One of the things that people find intimidating about a new year is the unknown. It's stepping into the unknown. What? Oh, you know, we've got this whole year stretching before us. What's it going to mean? What's a new decade going to mean? But, but if you allow that in, that is the kind of stuff that can steal your peace. Or maybe shame. Shame is another thing that can steal your peace because I'm, maybe I made some bad choices in 2019. And, and we, we, we're facing some of, 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 those, of those things. But God, God, through Jesus and the cross of Calvary, has set us free from sin, has set us free from guilt, and has set us free from shame. But our route to freedom is understanding and accepting that that is true. God has not just forgiven everyone else. If I repent, if I repent, repent is not just saying sorry. Repent is not just remorse. Repent is a decision to stop doing what I was doing. Yes, say sorry to God, but then choose to live with God's help another way. It's not, it's not just about, oh, sorry, Lord. Oh, sorry, Lord. Oh, sorry, Lord. Oh, I've done it again, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not just about that. It's, it's, it's a heart that is saying, God, I don't want to live this way. I want to live different. That is repentance. Regret is a, 
is another thing. I should have... I should have done that better. Listen, there's not one person in this room who, who, who doesn't have the capacity to regret. Every single one of us, if we, there is, there is stuff that we could have done better. This, this, there's always stuff we could have done better, but that doesn't mean it was bad. Or maybe it was. But God doesn't call us to live in regret. We've got, to, we've got to forgive. We've got to forgive ourselves. We've got to move on. I'll tell you another thing that can rob us of our peace. It's being too busy. Yeah. Running around, trying to make things happen. You see, I would say, I would say that being, being a Christian, and, and I make that, I, I make a, a distinction here between people who go to church and people who have a relationship with God. They're not the same thing. You can have a relationship with church. But have you got a relationship with God? Because it's the relationship with God that makes the difference. And, and I, I, I need to make sure that my life is set up in such a way that I am, uh, that God is not an add-on. He's not the is not the the stuff we just tag on at the end. That yeah. that God doesn't just get the scraps of me. Right. And yet we run around driving ourselves crazy, confessing scriptures, believing for the promises of God, and yet completely disconnected from the God that we're believing the promises from. And, and I believe in a God who blesses and I believe in a God who provides and I believe in a God who wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or even imagine. I believe in that God, but I've got to want God more than I want those things. That's the most valuable thing. You know, if the, the most valuable thing is, is not the gift, it's who gave it. Someone, uh, 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 someone gave me a, a gift this year. It was just a simple box of chocolates, inexpensive box of chocolates. But the way, the reasons it was given was so powerful and so precious that it made it probably the most significant gift of all because there was something about why it was given. Yeah. And, 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 when we, when we come to the, receiving the gifts of God, it's, it's the giver who is the most valuable, not just what I get. You know, if you think about um, what I was saying earlier, you know, about um, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. This is the amplified version. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated you know it's it's that stuff that we we've got to take responsibility we've got to take responsibility for what we allow in so that so that we understand it I, I, I need to maintain I need to look after the precious gift of peace that is in 
in my heart. And, and, and not just expose myself to anything. Maybe looking after the peace in your heart that is that God-given peace means that I need to be careful who I listen to. Maybe I need to be careful about what I watch. Maybe I need to be careful about what I read. You know what? what? Maybe I need to be careful about what I scroll through. That stuff can come in to steal our peace. Romans 12 verse 18 says that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Matthew, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I've spoken about this a couple of times recently, so I'm not going to labor it, but Jesus said you're a blessed if you're a peacemaker not a peacekeeper. There's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Being a, peace, being a peacekeeper is, is something that we do because we think that that is the best thing for a relationship. Just, I'll just say nothing. Just, just keep quiet. Just keep... Just... Just keep quiet. Hi. Just keep quiet. Just, and we convince ourselves it's for the sake of relationship. But all peacekeeping does is shove the issues under the carpet. They don't go away. Making peace, making peace means that I'm not afraid to sensitively face the real, real issues. Let me, let me say this because I know, I, I know how this goes down. Some of you guys, you know what? I've been meaning to say something to you for a while. And as Pastor said, we're not just keeping peace. We're making peace. So this is what I think of you. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. Make, making peace means... In relationship that I'm looking to promote healing. I'm looking to promote healing, not just my viewpoint. I'm, I'm not, this is not about me being right. This is, or, or not. This is about what's right. I think that when we're promoting peace and promoting healing... We need to remember and understand, particularly in relationships, that um, we need healing takes time. I think that 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 all healing is 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 miraculous, but what would be described as a miracle is something that is instantly healed. But in relationships, it's a very rare thing. For things to be instantly healed. They take time. The presence of soreness. The presence of pain. 
in a relationship doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong if you've taken the steps to deal with what needs to be dealt with. You've forgiven. Because sometimes that can be a bit confusing. You've said sorry. You've forgiven. But you still feel a bit of pain. Still feels a bit awkward. We're mates now. But it doesn't feel like it did before. And we can think, well, what? there's something wrong then. But actually, the presence of soreness is also the presence that so- means that something's being healed. And, and it, the presence of soreness, I was, um, I, I was opening, we, we opened a couple of gifts uh, late uh, and uh, we, we opened a couple of gifts yesterday and I cut my finger on the, um, the decoration that was on the, the gift. It's, don't ask, I know. It's, um... Anyway, but the point is, today, I had a, I had a, a, um, a Band-Aid on it yesterday and, and it's a bit sore today. And, and it makes me more aware of, of that finger than I would normally be. You know what I mean? When I'm shaking hands or when I'm doing... You're, usually I'm not thinking anything about that. But why that soreness is there, it's because that in itself is promoting healing. So that I'm not doing anything that might continue to damage it. So the presence of soreness means that even relationally, I'm doing things that promote healing and not continue to damage when, when, I'm, when I'm making peace, I need to be as passionate about understanding as I am about being understood. Um, in promoting healing, I've got to be prepared to forgive. And I want to say, and I, yeah, this might be for someone. To bring genuine healing to a relationship I think we've got to sometimes be prepared to 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 do more than more than words. Sometimes it might be a gift or it might be an act of service, but to actually do something that that expresses your heart. Sometimes a gift will say far more than words ever will. I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe this. There's someone here today, and the spirit of God, as I'm talking, is just on your case a little bit. And you've been sat there thinking, well, you know what? You know, if they really wanted a friendship, if they really wanted to do something, then they would make the effort and they would. And I'm tired of it always being me. And I'm tired of always making the effort. And I'm tired of always doing the running. And, and yet the Spirit of God is saying, mm, yeah, okay, I hear all that. You do something. Me? It's always me. Why is it always me? I know you can't look at me like it's you. You're just looking, you're all looking very, not only are you looking good looking, you're looking holy right now. But sometimes the Spirit of God will, you know, will will put it on us. And and that's when we can't start quarreling with God. Trust Him with the process. Philippians 4, are we all right? Philippians 4 verses 4 to 7 says this, um, I mean, we talk about work. This is work. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. 
Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, how many times, because we Christians are fantastic at just picking out the bits we love. We just love, we cut that bit of the scripture out and we talk about oh, experiencing God's peace, which, you know, transcends understanding and all that sort of thing. But you actually, to get to that, you've got to see what the verse 7 begins with. Then. So when you see the word then, you've got to look what came before. The Bible says, always be joy, full of joy. And then he says, I'll say it again, because you might not have heard it the first time. He says it again because it's important. Be full of joy. Make a decision to rejoice. Which means my attitude to life has a big impact on the peace that I experience. We as Christians should be the most peace-filled, joy-filled people on our street, in your office, in your classroom, in your lecture hall, in Aldi, <laughs> or wherever else is your shop. And, and, and Paul is saying there, sometimes... When, when you feel like it, if you've not had a bad week, if you're not tired, no. Always. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Be considerate to others. A contributing factor to you carrying the peace of God is being considerate to others. I've been practicing something because, I, you know, sometimes there's nothing quite like helping you get your um, act together is if you're going to preach it. So because you want to come and preach it with some level of authenticity... You need to be working on something, you know what I mean? So that as you preach, you can feel quite smug. No, 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 no. Um, sorry, did I say that out loud? No, no. But I've been working on something because, you know, like, there's a couple of um, times on my journey into church where you've got two lanes that merge into one, right? And, and, and what fascinates me is... What fascinates me, I've carefully chosen my word, is that, you know, um, that some people, they're not, they're not going to let you in, eh? They're not going to let you in. I would love to stand here and say to you that 
as that happens, you know, like you're trying to merge in and they're, 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 they're driving about two and a half centimetres from the car in front of them because they're not, they're not letting you in. No, 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 no. You should have thought about this. You should be in this other lane like I am. But no, I am not letting you in. And, 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 and there are people, people who sit at the steering wheel and they're like this. Straight ahead. They're not looking to the right. They're not looking to the left. And, and the voice behind them is not the Lord. The voice behind them has been my voice saying, I can't believe it. Who, why would they not just let you in? And then that, that robs you of your peace. See, nice link there. It, it, it robs you of your peace. And now I'm driving behind them, trying not to think about nails firing from the front of my car and piercing the tires, you know. Trying not to think those things. Um, uh, yeah, maybe I need, maybe I, my progress is not quite as well as, as I thought I was making. But like that, and you know, the, the thing is, then you're driving along, you're upset now. Now you're, now, now every driver on the road is inconsiderate. Every driver of the road doesn't get, and, and now there's someone else waiting to come out and you're not, no, no, I'm just, I'm not. But, but to be considerate to others means that in the face of someone being inconsiderate to me, mm -mm, I, I change it. And I am more considerate. I'm practicing. I'm not all the way there yet. But I'm using people's, other people's inconsiderate driving to prompt me to be more considerate. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Absolutely awesome. Be considerate to others. Hey, remember the Lord is coming back soon. We, we're supposed to be keeping this in mind. Because when I keep in mind that Jesus is coming back soon, it influences how I live and the choices I make. He says, don't worry about anything. Make a decision not to worry about anything. So not have I only got to be always joyful. I've got to make a decision to not worry about anything. Instead, turn those worries into prayers. Allow gratitude for how God has come through for you in the past to fuel your prayers for what you need. What's it say? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about anything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Amen. Then, everyone say then. then. It says then you will experience God's peace, wow. which exceeds anything, which transcends anything you can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, I don't know. I think that, that leaves us with quite a lot to do. But he will help us. Peace stands God. And I know, I know there are, are times I've experienced it. There are people in this room who've experienced 
God's supernatural peace. What I mean by that is that you're in a midst of circumstances where you should be losing your mind, but, but somehow the peace of God is in your heart. And you can't explain it. It doesn't even make sense to you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Give me a wave if you, if you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't even make sense to you that you're experiencing that peace in these circumstances. I should be more worked up. I should be more worried. I should be more upset. But supernaturally, God gives me his peace. I was reflecting on a story it's a long time since I've heard it. When we talk about supernatural peace, there was a man called Horatio Spafford. He was a rich businessman, a committed Christian. He, had, he and his wife had five children, um, a son and four daughters. And um, at four years old, they tragically lost their only son to scarlet fever. This was back in 1870. One year later, one year later after the death of their son, they experienced the, the Chicago, the great fire of Chicago in 1871, and he lost everything. All his businesses were there. All his investments were there. They lost everything. The family devastated by the grief and, 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 and the tragedy of losing everything. He arranged for them to make a journey to the UK from the States to, uh, to England to, um, to have a break. And um, they boarded a, a boat called the Vila Havre, which en route, uh, I need to say that Spafford, before boarding, the, uh, this big business opportunity came up. And he let his wife and daughters go on ahead and um, he stayed behind. He was going to follow later. But that, that boat um, collided with another vessel en route. took just 12 minutes to sink. Um, and his wife was rescued. But the four girls did not survive. When his wife reached England, she sent a telegram saying, Saved alone, what should I do? And catching the next available boat to go to his, his wife, as the boat went, they, they went over the spot where the uh, Villa Havre had sunk and the captain called him, knowing the story, captain called him and said, I think this is the place where the boat would have gone down. Let's have a moment of remembrance. And... They paused for a moment, had a moment of remembrance where his daughters had perished. And Spafford went back to his cabin and he penned what has become a very well-known hymn. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. After such tragedy, only God, only God can bring you out the other side of that and say in the face of everything that we have 
going, going through, in the face of tragedy that we are facing, in the face of the pain that we are experiencing, I know and understand the supernatural peace that it is well with my soul. Peace is the airbag that protects me from the full impact. It's my body armour. Peace refuses to fear the storm and be overwhelmed by the circumstances. Peace is what keeps you from being crushed by chaos or trampled by tragedy. Peace sustains you in your sadness. It is the peace of God that speaks to me and says, it is well with my soul. And I wanna say to everyone here today that in the things that you are experiencing, the things that some of you are facing, the things that some of you are walking through, that supernatural peace is available to you. By His Spirit, Jesus is here so that you can walk. Your head is telling you one thing. Your experiences are telling you another. As you look at the stuff around you, everything says, this is crazy. This is terrible. This shouldn't be. But from deep within your heart, there is an understanding that no matter what I face, He's got me. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Maybe that's something you just want to quietly say to yourself. Maybe you're facing tragedy. Maybe you've got a health scare. Maybe you've got a whole load of unpaid bills. Maybe you've got a whole a situation around you that you don't know how it's going to work out. Maybe there are family issues. Maybe there is issues in your marriage. Maybe there's an issue with your son, an issue with your daughter. There's so many things that you just can't work out. But know this, if God is with you, if God is for you, it is well. It is well. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.